but I have been watching Mad Men like as of late, just because it's. I guess it's leaving in June. Oh, well, it's going off of Netflix. I guess like when in June, like first of June. Uh, no, I think it's mid June. Hmm. I don't know if um, I have enough time to cram that in. You, you make time. You I'll have you know that I'm I'm missing the uh, Neil Finn Saturday live stream for this. By the way. <laughs> oh well, thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> That's all right. I'll listen to the archive. Yeah. Um, did you see that? Um, I didn't see it yet, but I saw that Steve Naive and um, Tilbrook were on his daily Facebook Live huh. yesterday. I have not. I have not seen that. I will have to look for that. Have you been following Naive's uh, um, like daily? No, I haven't. They're pretty good. Um, yeah, I'll have to send you a link. I haven't listened to all of the Tilbrook one yet, um, but I figured usually with stuff like this, you usually know about before me. Yeah, this is a rare occasion. This is a rare, yeah, this is a rare occasion where I'm kind of ahead of you on this. Mm-hmm. I've really like he's just been doing kind of like these video casts from his living room, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, like I'll catch like five or ten minutes here and there. Um, but then I was like, he brought in Tilbrook yesterday. And I was like, oh, well, Jared's got to be on top of this. I'm not Yeah, I missed it, it all, t- all together. I'll have to check that out. I'll give you something to watch later. Um, but yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed the, the Neil Finn ones. He was doing one every day for a while. And then now he's, he's doing them just on Tuesdays and Saturdays uh, live mm-hmm. and then doing like best of shows. Um, the rest of the week because he's trying to concentrate on getting the new crowded house album done. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Have you been doing a lot of that? Like, uh, like music concerts online type things, you know? So I've been listening to Neil Finn one. And one of the main reasons for me wanting to listen to that too, is that I can, I know most of the songs. So part of the fun of it is to play along with him for me. Um, so, uh, so there's that, but, um, I did, I paid for one Robin Hitchcock show cause he does a weekly live one. Um, yeah. and that's that pretty be, good. That. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, the one that I caught anyway, the one that I listened to apparently Eugene Merman also listened to, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's some cool. I, I I think people are doing a lot of cool things with that. Though, like you mentioned, Glenn Tilbrook, he's doing a, a weekly cover, um, like recording it and then uh, just putting it out on YouTube. Um, and so far, he's done. I think the most recent one was Wichita Lineman. Um, he did a Judy Sills cover. Um, he started it out with a cover of. Um, Founds of Wayne's Hackensack as a as a tribute to them uh, and uh, Adam Sussinger in particular, of course. But uh, um, I was following it more closely when I was when it kind of started in New Times, and the problem, and it's like no one's fault; it's just the limitations of the format. Because most people are doing it with their iPhones. Yeah, yeah. Um, the tech, the technology isn't. Well, I mean, the, I'm, 
the quality of it of people doing it over Zoom or Facebook Live or whatever, it's not it's not there and there's a lot of a lot of technical hiccups and the sound quality isn't always great. That's what's great about the Neil Finn one is that the sound quality is there. It's really good. When um there was one that Nick Lowe did from like his living room for Rolling Stone mm. which I really enjoyed. And I thought the quality was there. I'm not like no audio file or anything. It's just like it's frustrating, especially when it's like an artist that you've already seen. Yeah. You know, they can do better. And oh, yeah. Like, but also at the same time, you're also like, give them a pass because like, they're just, everyone's doing the best they can. This is true. Um, yeah. Well, and also, you know, I don't know, as, as a music lover, there's the impulse to support wherever I can, you know? Yeah. So if, if, if that's, you know, I actually signed up for, uh, Robin Hitchcock has a Patreon going. That's actually really cool. Um, where he's releasing, um, uh, uh, where he's putting out unreleased songs and there's actually tomorrow there's going to be, uh, in honor of Bob Dylan's birthday, there's going to be a Patreon supporter only, um, concert. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, I see. Released a song um, this week, I think, to raise money for something. Did you say Wilco? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw the the Colbert thing. Um, I watched it after the fact, but yeah, it's a it's a nice um, like everybody. uh, It's a nice positive song, which is unusual for them. I haven't listened to it yet. Not surprisingly, I've just been um, like it's been kind of my brain is fried being like as I joked on Twitter last week, my brain is kind of fried by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm absorbing a lot of um, land before time. <laughs> um it's amazing. I watch TV like I, I Brooklyn Nine Nine, but it's actually kind of like at the pitch where I'm at right now. Gotcha. <laughs> like it's smart enough to you know keep you know to keep me going, but you know silly enough where I don't have to think too much. Yeah. Well, do we want to go ahead and and uh, and intro the podcast? Yeah, let's do it. All right, you're listening to to What the Fork. I'm Jared. I'm Jason, but this is the Noise Place edition. That's right, the Noise Place edition. Um, <laughs> episode episodes two and three. Uh, we're yeah. gonna talk about. So um, yeah, I, I, I might. I assume you took notes again. I did. I assumed that, that you didn't. So. <laughs> um, but- I just I just watched them again before we started, um, and uh, it's all fresh in my head. Okay, so we won't waste too much time up at the top. Then uh, we'll 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 dive right into it. But if now that you're saying that uh, Mad Men is leaving, I might have to put that on the on the list to go ahead and watch that because um, I, I know I saw through the first probably four four or five seasons. I might have petered out around mid season five, whichever one they ended up like splitting, you know how for a while the thing was to do a part one and part two. 
Oh, yeah, because AMC, like, AMC couldn't churn them out fast enough because that's pretty much all they had. Yeah. Well, they did that with, with, um, with, Breaking Bad too, right? Because that was they did like a Breaking Bad season four part one and season four part two, or yeah, something like that. With, I think they sold it with Walking Dead. Mm. Not that. I mean, does people even care about that show anymore? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so uh, I I never got to the end of that show, and I'll have to I'll have to try to do that before it's it becomes something that I would have to pay for. <laughs> Yeah, I would recommend. Um, I watched it all like when season. Like I started watching it years ago, like when because you could just rent seasons from the library for free. Yeah, that for a while, and then when season the last season came to Netflix, I finally got to finish it, and it was like really great and. But now that like I've seen it all, I kind of know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Picking up on a lot of like cool visual things now. Um, I didn't necessarily pick up on before. Um, and Kristen's kind of watching with me, so she's picking up on them too. It's like, does no one? Is there like no one like to like on this show? I'm like, there is no, <laughs> there is no standing person on this show. Well, it's. it's <laughs> I was just, you know, I, I was thinking about that with Gilmore Girls. Actually, there's not, there's nobody, um, nobody who who is really just super likable. Like, even though, I mean, they all do terrible things to each other. And um, I mean, there's, I, if have you, were you teasing the other day? Have you actually started watching it? Did we actually peer pressure you enough, or no? Or no? Damn I mean, I've seen more girls. Like, I have seen episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not like immune to like what. Like, I I, I know what the show is about. Mm-hmm. I know what, like, the relationship between Rory and Lorelai. I do kind of have an ongoing crush with Lauren Graham. Um, well, I mean, I mean yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> I hope my wife isn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I am familiar with the show. I am like aware of the basic plot. I am aware it's a bunch of highly literate people in New England with pop culture references who hurt each other on a constant basis. Yeah, it's super waspy. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm I just started the fifth season of that, so I've got I've still got a little bit to go. But um, anyway, yeah, I was thinking uh, that 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 show. They're really, and I think this might be my third time through. It might be my third time through. I remember specifically one episode I watched. There's like at least. 50 pop culture references within like the teaser. They're just, they're all over the place. It's, it's, yeah. A, yeah. Uh, and one of them was a reference to Before and After Science by Brian Eno, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite albums. And I'm like, oh, well, like, how, how has this show like escaped my grasp? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because no one talks like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it always interested me too that the, the teenagers were interested in music that was very clearly what 
Amy Sherman Palladino was into, not what teenagers at that time would have been into. Um, well, I mean, they're, they're talking about XTC and, um, and as you mentioned, you know, and just like all sorts of, you know, great, great music, what? music I love, but music that there's no way that in the 90s uh, these, these teenage girls were really listening to. Well, that's not completely off base because I've started thinking about this lately, mainly because I'm using a free like trial period of Sirius XM, which pretty much I've dedicated to influencing Beckett into liking classic alternative music. Yeah, <laughs> um, hopefully you have been listening a- to the E Street Radio all the time. Um, no, it's mainly what we listen to is just like the classic for like the first wave, like the okay. classic. Though I have listened to E Street Radio, I have listened to the Pearl Jam. I kind of got into it for the Bowie station they made up. Gotcha. Um, but like I do remember specifically, like in high school and like late high school and early college, that I was listening to XTC and. Um, like when I wasn't listening to Sarah McLaughlin and now Merchant. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> As one does. Or what the kids were listening, or the Macarena. Um, I was like getting into XTC and Talking Heads mm-hmm. and um, Depeche Mode and The Cure um, and The Smiths and like so I don't think I was entirely out of the realm of possibility. That well, and I guess not, because I'm trying to think of when that first aired, too. I mean, it was in the 90s. Um, yeah. So it's very possible that I am, I'm completely off base, because I would have been that age at the time. Um, and I was definitely, that was where I was getting into, into Elvis Costello and Squeeze and um, mm-hmm. uh, like- all that. So it's not really out of the realm of possibility that okay, so it was people. from 2000 to 2007. So, yeah, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that um, there are other waspy mother daughter relationships where they have cool moms like Lorelai giving the record collections to Rory. I wouldn't, I wouldn't with, know, yeah. <laughs> with, um kind of thing with them over black coffee and bed by squeeze there you go um yeah anyway what um we didn't but, do I mean, yeah. like conversations i mean brooklyn 99 does start off with a pretty interesting topic about pop culture yes which we're going to get to after we go ahead and do all the stuff that we were supposed to have done already, which is talk about how you can uh, find us um, at uh, at what the fork pod on Instagram and Twitter, and yep. if you want to email us, you can email what the fork pod at gmail dot com, and mm-hmm. your handle, sir, is at Jason E Kyle on Instagram and and Twitter. Yep, that's K E I L. Instagram's private, but you know, maybe if if you're really nice to me, I'll let you take a look at pictures of my boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, LTD underscore engagement on the Twitter, drop the underscore for the Instagrams. Yes, and all my stuff is public. All I do is pretty much post pictures of my cat. So, 
Um, and occasionally hiking or something. But anyway, yeah. Um, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a review and a rating, that would be tremendously helpful uh, in helping other people find the show. Um, and if uh, if it'd be great because I'm really running out of clever usernames to boost up our, boost up our- <laughs> yeah, and I've exhausted all the friends and family that I have here. So yeah, and uh, and I'll, I'll check it out. If I see any new ones pop up, I'll 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 bring them to our next recording. Yeah, I haven't checked lately, but you know, I was thinking too today, um, just now actually, like this very moment, just just right now. Um, yeah, literally right now. That um, you know, we probably would be doing like a live edition at Fan Fusion today. We would be, yeah. Um, if, if, if it had not been, um, you know, canceled due to a pandemic, we would, we would be at the Phoenix convention center right now. Yeah. Um, oh, so we're still holding, we're still holding up at five, uh, a, a, a perfect score. Five stars, um, 10 ratings. Yep. Yep. And so, um, on the Apple podcasts. Two reviews. One I know is my father. The other one is me. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to participate and do that, we'll we'll even read it on the show. And at least um, five other podcasts um, about something we were talking about years ago. <laughs> <laughs> These Johnny Come Latelys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> kids and. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, we're, we are in the, in the, we're in the noise place. Um, we are on episode two, which is the tagger. Um, mm-hmm. and I was going to introduce something here new, uh, which is reading the plot. Uh, this is from Wikipedia. So the plot oh. for this one is Jake Peralta arrives late to work and is confronted by Raymond Holt for his recent misbehavior and scolded for his lack of proper work. As punishment, Peralta is assigned as a, um, to a graffiti case where a person draws uh, penises on police cruisers with Holt acting as his babysitter. Uh, Gina introduces her friend Carlene uh, to the gang who claims to be a psychic. Uh, Boyle is told uh, by Carlene that Rosa will never love him. Um, Peralta and Halt set up a stakeout and pursue the tagger, managing to catch him. However, while preparing the report, Peralta discovers that the tagger is Trevor Podolsky, the deputy commissioner's son, and fears retaliation from the deputy commissioner if Trevor is arrested. Meanwhile, Boyle, Santiago, and Diaz uh, raid an apartment as part of a drug bust. Boyle becomes paranoid when he finds that uh, that the psychic managed to predict many items in the apartment and wonders if Rosa truly lo- does not love him. The psychic later tells Boyle that if he gets up from a chair, he will receive a severe injury. Rosa then punches Boyle while he is still seated, uh, proving him <laughs> proving to him that the psychic was wrong. Uh, Podolsky arrives at the precinct, demanding Trevor's release. He refuses to read Peralta's report and walks out of the precinct with, with Trevor. Peralta gets counsel on the case from Holt, who comments that Trevor can get away with anything thanks to his father's position. After getting enough evidence about Trevor's past crimes, Peralta and Holt arrive at Podolsky's home and arrest Trevor. On another day, Holt holds, 
Holt holds a briefing and roll call where he finds Peralta living on a tent in the... This is a terrible plot summary. Whoever wrote this... First of all, I'm pretty sure that they, when they arrest um, the kid, it's out on the street. It is actually in front of police headquarters. It is, and yeah, yeah. it's it it uh, yeah. So, which you've described the plot, the premise of the show American Vandal on Netflix, <laughs> but they did it four years earlier. Um, then they were ahead of the game on this one: spray painting phallic images. Yeah. Uh, the writer, uh, for this episode, it aired, I should say, on, on September 24th, 2013. Uh, were you still in, uh, in Michigan at that point? Oh, I was in, um, I think I was Illinois. in Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a chance. and, uh, <laughs> written by Norman, Norman Hiscock, who, uh, has, had written 11 King of the Hills, 10, uh, 10 Parks and Rec episodes, and is also known for his work writing um, the writing for the kids in the hall, and uh, the, including their film Brain Candy. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, you know what? I don't think I've seen that one. I've se- I've seen all of Kids in the Hall many times the the show, but uh, I don't think I ever watched the film. Um, that movie is amazing. Is I, it? I, I, um the director was Craig Zisk who uh who um as an EP uh, executive producer worked on Weeds and the Larry Sanders show so no lightweight either uh and he was also a director on um uh, The Office and Parks and Rec as well so lots of lots of storied careers there yeah um uh- but it does start with a conversation. Going back to what, what the good transition, see, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does start with a with a debate um, about the best, um, the best crime police movie there is. Yeah, um, I think that Which you I- have that backwards, though. You're the cold open for for the top three cop movies is in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? It's on the slump. Yeah. The opening oh. for this one uh, is with Peralta being three minutes late. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's three minutes late and Holt shows him, holds up two pictures uh, with one being oh. like a garbage dump and one being his locker. And he's like, no, they're both your locker. <laughs> yeah. Or his desk. And his, yeah. And his Algernon came Algernon. Back. Algernon's back, which, of course, uh, a reference to, to Flowers for Algernon. Um, <laughs> Have you read that book? Oh, yeah. I, I had to read it in, uh, in English class in high school, I think. Yeah, I, we, we were discussing that this afternoon, too. Is like how many people had read Flowers for Algernon or had seen the movie Charlie. Charlie, right. Sorry. Yeah. That's based on, I'm like, I think it's like standard issue. <laughs> I think so, but it's one of those that I don't know how many people would, would be reading it anymore. Um, I mean, because we, when we read it, it was probably a, a good, you know, 20 plus years ago now. Who knows if, yeah. that's, uh, if that's even still on the curriculum. Um, what do you think nowadays? 
like as like what's like the one book that everyone had to read? You know, I yeah, I I don't know. The reading lists they have to have changed at this point. Although when reading lists for me in high school were still, you know, having like uh, Steinbeck and and Orwell and stuff like that. So kind of think like what a modern classic would be, like something in the last thirty some years that someone like some teacher would say we need to update the curriculum and read yeah yeah and read the harry potter series um (laughs) i don't know i'm trying yeah trying to think of what that would be like what's a heavyweight literary title that that would replace something like Steinbeck or, or, or the like. I mean, would it be I, I, that would be school appropriate too? Because I can't see them putting like Jonathan Franzen on the on the reading list. Or I was thinking, you know, like uh, George Saunders or somebody. I can't uh, I I can't imagine that being on a uh, public school reading list. Well, hey, teenagers, send us <laughs> teenagers who listen to our podcast. Tell us what. You like what was the most modern thing on your on your reading list? This yeah, or or are they still making you read Flowers for Algernon? Yeah, are they still making you read Flowers for Algernon? Like I can't. Like, Judy Bloom was something I read in like fourth grade because it tells over fourth grade nothing. And Beverly clearly, uh, Cleary. Like and then everyone read Flowers for Algernon. Flower. Um, uh, Catcher in the Rye was too iffy. Yeah. Even for school like mine. Um, I can't think of like, like other than Shakespeare, I can't think of like what else they would be. Like, like I just, I guess my fear is like kids are just reading Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so back into the back into the show. Um, what am I? I guess. Let me just let me say this: like, if you like Twilight, that's fine. They're just horribly edited books with tons of spelling or grammatical errors. I've never, I've never even looked inside one, so I have no idea. Liar! No, seriously, <laughs> I haven't. Um, there, the, you know, I I was working in a bookstore when when um, uh, the both Harry Potter series was huge and the twilight series was huge and i never read any of them um, well you've read you've seen the movies right harry potter yeah you I, and have you read the books yet or have i read what you read any of the books yet no uh-uh. still haven't read any um, of the books i have seen the harry potter films i've never seen a, a twilight movie okay well you're okay <laughs> like I'm not gonna I just I can when when Kristen listens to this she's going to start giving she's going to silently give you shit for not having read Harry Potter because yeah. she does that for me too. Oh, okay, okay. Well, like her Gilmore Girls, her <laughs> Gilmore Girls for me is I've tried reading it. It's just when you're building a world, I can't get into it. When you're trying so hard to establish a world, mm-hmm. I just. Like, it took me a year to read The Hunger Games, the first book. I haven't read any of those either. You know, worked so hard to establish 
what it is. I, um, I don't know and, that that's my problem. So I just I'm about to finish a book in um, in this. It just depends on what it is, I guess, and how interested I am in it. Because I've I've read some of Sam Sykes's books. I've I still have one of his left to read for for that like his big trilogy, um, mm-hmm. and I am just am about to finish a book by Richard Cadre. Um, the second book in his Sandman Slim series, which is, which I think is really good. Cause, um, I mean, there definitely are recurring characters, but there's also like this kind of, uh, sort of, uh, uh, noir aspect to it. That's very kind of dark and gritty and, and all that. And I like, I like that. So it, it doesn't, that doesn't bother me so much as, as I just, I just have an aversion to reading things that are everybody says you have to read this, you know? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm that way too. Um, I, like, I just know, like even trying to get into like Patrick Rothfuss, like in like anything like big and fantasy, like, like building it, establishing a world, mm-hmm. like a universe. It's rough. And if you're just someone who just wants to like, like me, who just wants you to get to the point <laughs> as possible. Yeah, I don't. It's it's a mix. Sometimes I'm in the mood for it, and sometimes I'm not. Like, uh, and if it's it, it just all depends to me on the quality of the writing too. Because I, you know, like I've I've read probably I would say the majority of Terry Pratchett's Discworld stuff. Um, but I mean, it's taken me years to 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 read. He's I don't know. It's like twenty some odd books in that that series and it's all built around the, this whole world of, of of disc world. But, um, I mean, it's also just really solid writing. He's a great writer. Uh, was, I should say rest, rest in peace, Terry Pratchett. But, um, I don't know. Anyway, back to the show. We're going to try to stay on task because we've got two episodes to get through. Um, we'll we'll be fine, Jared. (laughs) Uh, you you say that i yeah anyway um i'm trying to steer this ship my friend um it's it's hard to have two people who who are 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 uh want to digress all the time uh to and neither one of us kind of steering us on course um but if we're gonna get through two episodes it's let's 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 do this take the wheel take the wheel I'm, i'm working on it okay um one of uh, I thought great line in the beginning was Peralta asking, "Did you say genital men?" <laughs> when they're talking about the tagger, um, uh, our first real like Hitchcock and Scully moment of the series is them discussing uh, what is being spray painted because um, neither one of them got it, and yeah. and so Hitchcock finally he's like, "Oh, it, oh, that's what it is." And he's like, but what are the two round things at the bottom? And Scully says, it's the butt. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a Terry moment in there, too. Um, well, there's a few Terry moments, but one that establishes who Terry is mm-hmm. um, is when um, he pulls, and this is later in the episode, when he pulls the elaborately created police... The Leslie Nope esque police report, uh-huh. um, 
and he says, what's this stuff on it? He says, it's yogurt. Oh, ter- <laughs> Terry does love yogurt. <laughs> yes. He threw in Terry's trash can, and Terry had yogurt earlier, because Terry loves yogurt. <laughs> yep. Um, I thought also something that really, um, you know, and, and that's a great callback throughout the episode, is Terry's problem with SUVs. <laughs> <laughs> Those things roll. <laughs> they roll. Um, I so what something that I didn't really like about uh, that I didn't really like that they did in this episode, and I think that they go away from it, um, or at least pull back a little bit, is that Diaz is set up as the Nelson Muntz on this because she's just <laughs> like when you know when she's when um, uh, ta- when they're talking about um, Terry's minivan and and Holt babysitting Jake. And she just goes, she lets out a ha-ha. <laughs> it's yeah. totally, she's totally Nelson. Um, there's a few moments, too, um, where Chris, like Kristen watched it with me. Um, and she said, oh, that's her normal Diaz voice. Mm. Like, that's her, like, it's not her Diaz voice. It's her normal voice. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so she hasn't really established like the tone of the character yet. Right. Like, yeah. And, I mean, some of them are coming along more, but, but Rose is not there yet. And definitely, um, um, Charles is definitely not there yet. No, no. Um, like Charles is just, I think that they're more I, there in the next episode though. Um, yeah. But like Charles is still like, like to make the um make a comparison to maybe the office like he's definitely the ed helms like he's yeah that like just the the guy with like weird interests he just comes off weird but he's like like really sweet like and there's and charles is still that guy in later seasons mm-hmm. but it just comes off as bitch right now like and not like I feel like he's still like this one-off character when like he's actually one of, like one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah, I mean they definitely well, and Rosa is as well. I think they, they just they just become much more of an ensemble as as we move along. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is only the second episode, so uh, well that's and that's the thing too. Like when I watch this, it's this is the third time I've maybe the third or fourth time I watched this episode. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it just the thing I kept thinking about when I was watching it is like it's still like it's the pilot all over again. Kind of it go it goes. Uh, one of the things that I noted about it was that it, it does go more towards um, uh, opening up Holt as a as a positioning him to be more of a father figure to Jake. Um, yeah. I mean, he's still he's still at this point trying to to mold him and and uh, like make him uh, kick all his bad habits and that kind of thing and and take the job more seriously. But I think that they they kind of lay off of that um, and he becomes a little bit more of a mentor simultaneously with them. Uh, opening up the ensemble more and fleshing out the characters. You know, if you if you look at the credits for this too, uh, the actors who play Hitchcock and Scully are still uh, listed as like guest actors. They're not even, you know, part of the main 
main cast uh, considered yet. So and they don't be and not to jump ahead, but they don't become permanent until Chelsea Prey leaves. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Which, which like, is what, wait if for those watching along with us, what do you mean when Chelsea Peretti leaves? What are you talking about? Spoiler. Uh, sorry to spoil the show that's been on for over seven years <laughs> which um actually i had a discussion earlier this week with someone who had not watched the show in its entirety yet and was going to follow along with us so oh um, way to way to forget that <laughs> yeah um so um i would like to say nate i'm very sorry <laughs> uh, way to go i wasn't gonna get into that but anyway okay uh gina's psychic friend is fun i like her is um, that who plays her? I think that's. Um, I'm trying. I may have gotten it wrong, but I think it's. It's I, I probably, Arlene. Let's see, Arlene Pebdani, or no, I'm sorry, Artemis Pebdani. Never mind then. Cool. <laughs> okay. Um. But that, I mean, that whole thing is fun, and that that's also very much in keeping with Gina. Gina is the other character, I think, who is pretty much Gina already. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know what? It occurs to me that I, I mean, I was definitely aware of of Chelsea Peretti and her comedy before this, but I don't think I'd ever seen her in another role, really. Yeah. Like, I, you know, she was always such a right, like, she was a writer for Parks and Rec. Yeah. You know, and I assume she was also, um, I think she's probably already married to Jordan Peele at the time. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, um, I don't know, um, like who, like, I, yeah, I wasn't sure who she was until, like, this show started. Yeah. And now... No, she's not on the show. She's like all that I miss. Like, <laughs> well, I've done okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've, done, yeah. Well, I mean, we've still got years to go at this point before she is not on the show anymore. So, um, but uh, some something that is very Boyle that I thought was Boyle's belief in the psychic. Um, yeah, because it it kind of it it. Um, uh, you know, sets him up to be somebody who who will basically believe anything. He's he's kind of superstitious, and you know, so when he he uh, has somebody who's who's kind of um, I don't know, mystical or something around, he's he buys right into it. Well, he's looking for any reason to doubt himself. True. Yes. Like, that he has, like he's looking for any reason to doubt that he has any chance with Rosa. This is true. Um, so he's just like any typical sad sack. I mean, I can relate to this. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. Who's just like, like, who's looking for any excuse to not be a badass? Like, just to just say, no, I'm okay. I like, so he will gladly. It's his, like the psychic gives him an outlet to be like to sell for what he has instead of what he wants. Mm-hmm. And so, and 
I don't know how Boyle has made it this far through life with that kind of attitude. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, it's just he's he's lucky he's gone this far. I kind of feel that way, too, about me personally. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that definitely as somebody who who has suffered from uh, a lot of self-esteem issues and that sort of thing, I, I've, I've I can certainly sympathize. But um, yeah. so, but um yeah, that's the thing that kind of bothered me too. Is like you just how easily he buys into that. Like, and just like how he, like even too like just how well does he really know Rosa? <laughs> yeah, right. He's just kind of fixated on her. Um, yeah. Okay, Jake's <laughs> on the stakeout. Jake's backstory with Harvey Norgenbloom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and his, his his elaborate undercover backstory, and I, I think that that's one of the. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely anything of the show now. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and his and well, and Holt, the whole ridiculousness of it with with Holt pointing out, you know, all the things that can go wrong with, you know, for instance, his footwear um, <laughs> with the, with the sandals. <laughs> yep. And the uh, the first first thing that happens when they go chasing after the after the 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 uh, vandal is is he loses his shoe? Yeah, because of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course, the first thing that happens to Terry's van is it gets a giant phallic symbol on it. Right, you can say penis. Out. Yeah, like and blurring it out, I think just adds. Do you think they had to blur it out because it is a giant penis? Uh, um, <laughs> fact. I don't know. That's, I mean, be, I would imagine that if it were a giant penis, that they would have to blur it out because it's on network television. Um, so whether it is or it isn't, does it matter at that point? Because if it was, they'd have to blur it. But if they blur it, they don't have to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, um, so I've been watching Millionaire, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, mm-hmm. um, the celebrity edition, because I mean, like, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> and I like game shows, and I like celebrities playing game shows. Um, <laughs> and I um. They just did got done with a run with Catherine O'Hara, but anytime they mention not the show that she stars in, which is Schitt's Creek, um, mm-hmm. they have to put the name of the show on TV because they don't want you to think that they're talking about excrement. Wow, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that's how they get around it. That's crazy. Like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It. I mean, like. Yeah, like it, it's just funny. It's like anytime like they start talking about Shit's Creek, um, like immediately like they have to like put up the nameplate. <laughs> yeah, Catherine Shit's Creek. And, no, it's a it's a it's a show. There's a C oh. in the word shits. <laughs> Which have you? Yeah, are you caught up with that? By the way, uh, I am not. It's not one that I've watched yet. Okay. Oh, is there, I thought you started it though. No. Uh, well, no, that's not true. I did start it. 
because um, okay. I watched I watched at least the first episode or two. Okay. Um, yeah, and I did listen to the Dan Levy interview, um, mm-hmm. or Dan Levy, I guess, uh, on on Marin. Yeah, I did. I just listened to that, and then, um, and then the last one I listened to was Kate Blanchett, and then, and I just this was after Lynn had passed away. I was oh the day man, after. that that so opening. After, this is just like, this is the precursor to like what happened, like literally days later. Yeah. And, oh, I couldn't. You and I discussed this on Twitter, but like I, I didn't make it ten seconds without bawling. It was. I mean, that's honestly Marin's uh, his um, his intro to that that episode on Monday is yeah. is one of the most like nakedly emotional things that I've I think I've listened to. Um, it was it was rough, but it was. I mean, it was. I don't know. I think it'll go down as being something pretty important too, because I, how often is somebody just that open mm-hmm. recorded? Yeah. I just, I knew it was going to be, I'm, I, of course it was a just rough. Like I, I I'm surprised that I got a podcast that day. And yeah. Then, um, to just kind of do that. Um, I had read the statement the day before that he put out. Um, and I just kind of thought like, like this is like, I remember Saturday afternoon, just like thinking like, this is a joke or something like this is wrong. And yeah, just cause like, like how could Lynn Shelton possibly pass away? Like she's so young and, and just, I don't know. Like, and the first thing I wanted to do was just like tweet at Mark Marin and say, dude, you good? <laughs> like, it's just how involved yeah. it was in their lives. <laughs> like, I felt like, you know, like, I don't know Mark Marin. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've, like, I've seen him perform. <laughs> I've, but yeah, I just, I couldn't take it. I surprised I made it through the intro. I have, and I am scared to listen to the rest of it. Like, I just, just someone as talented as Lynn Shelton, like, I just got me think like, what we could have had. Like, yeah. what they were. Anyway. Um, Back to the episode of a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, the, uh, the writing the report, I, uh, I noted, so, Peralta asks Terry for glitter. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I wrote down the, the exact line. It was, if I have to do things his way, I'm going to do them my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and so... Like, the first person he goes to for glitter... is Terry. Yeah, of course it's Terry. Yeah. And what is his, his a, reason is like because he's a dad or something like that? Yeah, because of Cagney and Lacey. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny, though. And, okay, so the... Something that is probably my least 
and I don't remember this in more recent episodes, so I'm assuming that it just goes away at some point, is the slow motion flashbacks. I hate the slow motion flashbacks. Which one are you thinking about? Well, so in this in this episode, there was one in the pilot, and then in this episode there was... Um, there's it's basically any time it's where Jake has his realizations right so this is where you know he he realizes that the kid is is the uh, deputy commissioner's son and um, and he you know here's he it's a black and white you know flashback slow but it's in like everybody's talking super slow oh and they kind of do that in the third episode too i think yeah but I I think it goes away. Yeah, I don't remember anyone doing it recently in the new shows, but and then Terry I has mean, to Terry has to call his wife and tell her that there's a penis on the side of the van, mm-hmm. and then she asks about the SUV again. <laughs> so but they he gets, yeah, but they roll, they roll, baby, <laughs> which um, is funny. I just. I, it's just funny because for the longest time, I owned. Well, my parents owned an Aerostar, a Ford Aerostar. Which have you ever? Do you remember those? Yeah. Like the skinny minivans. Yep. Like if anything's gonna roll, it's those. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember skidding on an icy road in backwoods central Illinois in one of those things. Mm. I'm thinking, how did? this not roll <laughs> like, how am i alive how <laughs> like, uh, how how has the car not exploded <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just insane like but anyway like i and as someone who now drives an suv I'm like they don't roll <laughs> but that was a thing for a while I, you had your uh, like suburbans rolling and all. Yeah, I, I think that they were built differently. They solved whatever issues there were with the uh, the center of gravity on those things. Yeah, well, if anything, the center of gravity goes off when Terry hits the driver's seat because it's Terry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Oh yeah, Gina getting in in Boyle's head about Peralta, or I'm sorry, uh, about Rosa. Um, that I mean, that goes on for a while. G- just Gina getting in Boyle's head is something that goes on for for a while. Um, and I thought that uh, that the that you know again the whole. Uh, being the the mentor here for Peralta, you know he he kind of he does it in a way that I like, and I think that that um, that Andre Brower plays it really well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the whole thing about really trying to lead to let Jake make his own decisions, but trying to lead him the right way. You know, essentially telling him that you have to make you have to do the right thing even if it has some consequences to your career you have to stand by your principles and you have to do you have to do what's right and i think with this episode they're trying to establish like 
a sort of adversarial relationship with like Holt and the commission, like the deputy commissioner. Yeah. Well, which I mean, never really, which never really plays out like so much. Right. But it does a little bit just in that um, Holt is always willing to stand up against the, the higher ups in, in the mm-hmm. police department. Right. Um, right. Mostly because, you know, I think it's a direct reflection of him having to had, work so much harder than everybody else to mm-hmm. rise through the ranks because of discrimination. Both, you know, take your pick, whether it's racial discrimination or discrimination against his sexual orientation. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But the particular character, um, the deputy commissioner. Yeah. I, he shows up again like once or twice mm-hmm. I think throughout the series but they found someone but the cool thing is like since we're early on they realized like oh, we didn't really do so well here yeah <laughs> well guy. let's let's not spoil something else but he gets a much better nemesis later on <laughs> oh yeah I love it so <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll keep a lid on that until we get to it but um yeah. So I, my la- I only have a, a a couple more notes on this particular episode, and well, actually, just one because we already kind of beat the father figure thing to death. Um, but the Rosa's still definitely not right, and and you were, I think that you had, um, that your point was, uh, not I hadn't really thought about it that way, but but Kristen talking about it not really being Rosa's voice yet, that's definitely mm-hmm. true. Um, and I think that plays I, into her not, not her voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but I mean, it's, it's again, I think it's a, it's a pretty solid episode. It's just, if not, I think that knowing what the show becomes, um, I see really illuminates, uh, like how it hasn't settled into its own yet. Mm hmm. Right. Like, it's still, like, it still has, like, the the basic, it still has, like, the main characters down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because they've had more, like, they've had, go, are they tied for The Office now? Like, how many, uh, no. Well, The they Office more- did nine seasons, so, yeah. So, but I mean, like, even with the office, you got to like spend more time. Like, it could have just been the whole um, the white Jim Pam um, uh, Eve Carell. But it's when you learn about these other characters that like the show. Look, but you don't get that until like four or five seasons on. Um, I think it settles down pretty quickly. I mean, even the next episode, which yeah. That's the thing I kind of like about Nine Nine is that it sells down pretty quick. Yeah, and it has a much a much much less lag time or much less time spent figuring itself out than The Office did. Do you think that the reason why they went for the tropes pretty quick, like the will they won't they between Rosa and um, uh, Boyle mm-hmm. and um, the mentor mentee relationship, like these like these classic sitcom tropes that 
turn me off so quickly. Uh-huh. You think they just did that maybe just kind of like hopefully like hope to draw people in and then like, I think okay, maybe- we got like yeah. you got them like we'll do this for like four episodes and then we'll just bring like we'll start doing we'll start doing what we want and then open it up. Yeah, I, I think that to to hook people and probably more even to hook the uh, network people. Um, yeah, because usually, I mean, it seems like if they show them something that they know, uh, then it's they're more likely to get a little, you know, to to stick around for a while. Yeah, because I mean, because the more I think about it, as we're talking about it, um, just the more it seems, yeah, I, that makes sense to me because I'm pretty sure, like Michael, sure knows how, like, to get around to make network people happy. Yeah, well, and, and you know, we also have to factor in as well that there's this was a much more traditional. Uh, show schedule too. I mean, as far as like having 20 plus episodes a season and uh, you know, th- they're needing to fill a lot more, a lot more uh, airtime, you know, because of that, it's, it's you practically double the, the season run of a, of a, of the good place. Um, yeah. But they're not telling a linear story here. No, they're not. Like, yeah. Correct. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right on. I, I, I just, I, I just, I just remembered again, like I just remember before I moved to Phoenix, I was like, Oh, this show's okay. It's got potential. Maybe I'll start watching it. And I didn't, but I didn't really get into it until a few months after. And because it it blows up, it explodes, and and becomes everything that we know it to become. So we yeah. just, you know, I think we have a few episodes to get through that are kind of, uh, oh, this is this is funny, and then it'll be like, oh, this is great, you know. Because um, even, but, um, get, go ahead. I was going to do a good transition, but you got more to say. Well, no, I was just going to say that even getting later on into the into this first season, there are some great episodes uh, towards mm-hmm. towards the end of it. Um, and- one of the things I like about Peralta, um, which is established in the third episode, which I mean, my guffaw earlier, um, the slump, my, my, my mistake earlier was his constant reference, his idea of what a cop should be. Yeah. Pop culture to what reality is. Well, because all Um, he wants, all he wants is to be John McClane. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Okay, so let's talk about it. The good transition that you were trying to do before. Um, yeah. So episode... I, I do see what <laughs> you did there. Episode 3, The Slump, aired October 1st, 2013. It was written by Prentice Penny, who uh, is an executive producer of Insecure. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, written by... I'm sorry, directed by Julie Ann Robinson, um, who's, who's done a, a ton of stuff. She's like started in British TV and has won a bunch of awards and all that. So um, the plot for this one is, is much shorter and I think they did a a more concise job here. So I'm going to read that real quick. Uh, Let's see. It is 
Uh, Jake has a lot of unsolved cases on his plate, and the other detectives are unwilling to let his losing streak rub off on them. Uh, meanwhile, Amy recruits Rosa and, and Gina to help when Holt asks her to, to run lead on the junior policeman program for at-risk youth, and Boyle helps Jeffords uh, with a special case he's unable to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more yeah. good to yeah. <laughs> It's also another poorly written summary. <laughs> it is. You don't. Well, we clear that up. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> we clear up the, the terrible Wikipedia summary. Um, so as you as you mentioned earlier, the the cold open on this one is is Santiago's uh, top three cop movies are Training Day, Lethal Weapon, and Fargo, which I question the the merits of Fargo as a cop film. When did Fargo get mentioned in in this? That's those are those are Santiago's top three. She says Training Day, Lethal Weapon, and Fargo. Oh yeah, okay. Um, I, I just, but no one mentions so. Like she was like, oh, that's Santiago. Like, but um, okay. So the thing that I remember is, of course, Jake says Die Hard. Right. He just says one, and it's Die Hard. Um, it's Die Hard. Which. I, I, well, I just, I, I would you, would you consider Fargo a cop film? Yes. Really? Well, yeah, it's about an investigation. Like it's, I've, I've seen that film so many movie. times, and I don't think that I would ever describe it as a cop movie. But like, it's like it's the Francis McDormand show about half an hour in. It is, but hmm. I don't know. I'll have to rethink that because I just, to me, it's just first and foremost a Coen Brothers film. I mean, well, yeah. so I don't think of it fitting the, like what I think of as the cop film genre. So I wouldn't put it next to a lethal weapon or a diehard. Um, well, I would argue that no country for old men is more of a cop film than Fargo. Because of time of Lee Jones. Yeah. Comparing Coen cop films. Um, but um I don't know, I just um uh I think Fargo is a cop movie because Frances McDormand's character makes it and her acting makes it that way. Like I mean every like you don't meet Briscoe like Lenny Briscoe doesn't start every episode of Law and Order. The crime has to be yeah. committed first. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the crime had to be committed and before you bring in um, Margie Gunderson. <laughs> I think I'm going to burf. And I've never seen the series. So I don't. Is it kind of established like that too? I don't know. Like I haven't seen it either. Um, I need to watch it because um, it's it's a Noah Hawley series, and I like. Have you watched Legion yet? I've seen I, I've seen the first season. I have yet to watch the second or third. And once I, again, once I get over this, once I start watching Mad Men again. Yeah. I kind of started West Wing, but I'm. Uh, well, it's at some point it's on Hulu since Hulu has yeah. all the FX things now. But yeah, yeah. but um, 
like I do want to watch season two and season three because I mean, if I have to hear you and Naftal talk about how great Legion was one more time, like <laughs> I, I, I gotta know what, what the two of you, what all of you saw in this that I didn't in season one, which for season one, for the first, again, the first few like episodes are for the, the first season of Legion is pretty good up until the ending. Mm. It just was like, well, I'll like, we'll 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 save that for our legioning podcast. But I, <laughs> um, anyway, um, but no one mentions Dirty Harry. I don't think. No, no, they don't. So let's finish going through. So Jake mentioned he reveals um, his number one is Die Hard, which is uh, makes perfect sense for him. But he summarizes it as. One cop heroically saving the day while everyone else stands around and watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, uh, that really perfectly sums up that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks of himself that way. How how true to him that that, that movie is. <laughs> I mean, there are even the two FBI agents, uh, Johnson and uh, is it Johnson Johnson? I think I it think. is Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Like all they do is fly around in a helicopter. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it is really the John McClane show. It is, um, and I think the reason why Santiago likes Fargo so much is because, like, female detective, yeah, um, tightly organized female detective. Like Santiago is kind of like, like Margie Gunderson in a way, where she just like she's not like Jake, like she just. She's one of those people who is a by the book organized detective who just does really good detective work. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's probably but why she really likes that movie. Well, it's yeah. Um, Santiago's like, thing is is procedure. She's all about you know doing things by the book and yeah. all that. So yeah. I like Diaz's pick. I like <laughs> I like Boyle's pick. Turner and Hooch. <laughs> um but yeah he has his pick um ultra violent um robocop yeah wicked humor um well i mean and what's great is her line of uh it's got everything i like gratuitous violence (laughs) (laughs) it's it's true um well, it, she, would have been, it would have been the first Verhoeven movie to be related to be rated X or NC seventeen before like eight years, I think, before Showgirls came out. Oh yeah. Yeah, because there is a scene of gratuitous violence when like the executive gets blown up yeah. on the board table. It's originally was longer. I think it was originally like at least seventeen seconds longer. Because they really go for it. <laughs> wow. The MPAA said you have to trim this because it's too gratuitous, gratuitously <laughs> violent. If you find the Criterion edition, or I'm pretty sure any DVD edition, it has the extended. Yeah, there's an extended scene, but like that's. It is gratuitously violent, which is like almost humorously so. 
like Evil Dead violent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Gina's is Bad Boys. On. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I saw I watched Bad Boys for Life the other day. <laughs> I, I haven't seen any of the Bad Boys movies. Um, well, the first two you're going to hate because it's Michael Bay. Ugh. Ugh. But you've seen Hot Fuzz, right? I have. Yeah, of course I've seen Hot Fuzz. I, I was going to say, like, you should at least watch Bad Boys 2 so you can get half of the references in Hot Fuzz. Okay. I enjoyed Hot Fuzz despite the fact that uh, I didn't get the Bad Boys references. Um, how much more right now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I love that Terry's is Truffaut's Breathless. No. <laughs> 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 to which he responds, what? Terry likes foreign films. <laughs> yeah. And again, establishes this... Uh, establishes terry as like he's not the tough guy yeah like he appears to be he is like he eats yogurt he likes his minivans well and he's super self-conscious about his 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 uh body image too he's he clearly has body image issues um Mm -hmm. yeah i do like that i mean that's that's one of the reasons that because he could have easily been a cookie cutter character, you know, but he's he's played and written so wonderfully that he really, you know, he's immediately established as a highlight of the show because he's just not what you think he's going to be. And he's like, like that's the thing that works for him. Like him is like it is so much of like there's so much of the person and 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 him. And who he is. There's so much of like who Terry Crews is in that character that he's just so authentic. Um, like he's a he's a family man who has body image issues, but doesn't take any shit from anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is like I remember like that the interview he did for Marin like a few months ago is like as like clearly. That's like clearly Terry is Terry. The the character is based a lot off of Terry, the person Mm. much like Ron Swanson is based off of Nick Offerman, the person. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just navigating around like these characters that Michael Shore has made up. Right. Like, um, Like Creed the character is kind of based off Creed, the person a little bit. Like he was in a band in the six, like late sixties. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure he isn't seen as he is now like in the show, but like, like a lot of the backstory is based off of these people, which is like, makes them like the improv so good. Right. Um, anyway, um, but I was going to ask you, Cop movie. Uh, um, I really do like the first Die Hard. I mean, it's it's way up there. But favorite cop movie. Hmm. I mean, Die well, Hard too. Die it, Hard for me. It's Die Hard for you. For me, it might be um, the French Connection. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but 
You haven't seen I, the French I, Connection? I've not seen the French Connection. Um, I need to. I know I do. Um, it's of course one of Gene Hackman's best films. Um, and the car chase alone, I need. I know I need to watch it for. Yeah, yeah. The car um, chase is historic. I would argue. I don't know. Technically, this is a cop movie. I like Zodiac an awful lot. Mm. Um, just again, like it comes down to like detective work, right? I like. I like how they got into the minutia of like how long it takes to solve a case like that. And it's still not solved. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the bureaucracy of it is pretty much what got in the way. Yeah. Like of it being solved. Plus Fincher does such a great job with it. Um, yeah, that's kind of, um, I like dirty Harry, even though it's, you know, it's pretty much a like a fantasy of like what cops should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's definitely a alpha male fantasy, but I I I I kind of like that. It is what it is, um, and it's very unapologetic for it. Yeah, and I like Die Hard, of course, and Die Hard too could be like this. It's McLean is like definitely the alpha male. Right. Um, no. But I was surprised Jerry Harry never once got got mentioned. That um, is interesting. Um Okay, let's see. Oh, and then I also like how the the um the correct answer is uh is Hitchcock getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, twice. <laughs> So I was wondering if this was another Simpsons reference, though, um, for football in the groin. <laughs> you know. So are you you know so it's become like like Parks and Rec, this is and and Good Place. This is becoming very. These are people who are definitely influenced by the Simpsons. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, very very much so influenced by the Simpsons. Uh, Especially, um, I would say there's a character who gets introduced every season that I look forward to. I, I that is, I think it's def- it's, it's got to be the same character I'm thinking of, and and I'm I'm gonna leave that as a we'll find out pretty soon if it's the same one or not, and yeah. I it's. I'm not going to talk about it anymore, especially if there are, especially if there are people who are watching along for the first time. But this mm-hmm. recurring character is one of my favorite. He's he's also, I think, one of the funniest people of all time. But so we'll see if it's the same thing when when we get to it. Oh, like the the person or yes. the, the actor. I mean, the character in it is one of the great recurring characters, but the actor I think is hysterical. Oh. I, I wouldn't go so far as to this person's all time, but if we're thinking of the same person, I'm pretty sure we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he like this character is definitely the one that I, how they've kept the joke going for mm-hmm. seven seasons now is just pretty amazing. But anyway, let's, yeah, let's, let's not spoil that. We'll leave that as a, as a, uh, a gem for people. Um, 
Okay, so so we've got uh, the whole thing about. Um, <laughs> okay, um, the the morning briefing where Peralta says that uh, Boyle uh, in his sweater looks like the Lady Killer, um, <laughs> who's an actual <laughs> serial killer. Um, <laughs> And to which Boyle responds, it's Jeffrey Dahmer's corduroys all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, Doyle just cannot help but be creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs> um. Uh, so in the same morning briefing, we get Peralta is in a slump, uh, to which he says, I opposite slump, I pee moles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is even the opposite. It's just the word spelled in reverse. Yes, of course. Yes. It's great, though. Uh, the delivery is great. Yeah. Um, okay. And <laughs> um, so... I mean, but the plot is pretty basic as far as that goes. It's, you know, it's Peralta having the slump and basically, again, uh, um, Holt in that sort of guiding mentor role kind of uh, tricks him basically into getting out of his slump. Um, But along the way, we have um, Santiago coming in with the with the bust and uh, and it it, it, when Holt says something about the um, the press or something, she says, you know, that's the point at which she chooses to say, that's why we do this, sir. And he says, for, for, for praise? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that was pretty good. <laughs> I wrote this down, but I don't remember who said it. Who says, I will make better mouth? Is that... <laughs> Is that Boyle? Oh, that's Boyle. Uh, that sounds like something Skullier Hitchcock would say. I can't remember who said it, but it was hysterically funny at the time. Where there, somebody was, yeah. Oh, and this is the episode where you. I think this is the episode where you discover how gross Skelly and Hitchcock are. Oh, like oh yeah. It's it's um, it's Scully who takes off his foot. And says it's one giant. It's it's, it's one. Uh, it's all war. Too. What does he say? It's one giant war. <laughs> when when all- Jake says I don't see anything, and it's all yeah. He's like, oh, it's it's one giant. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Yeah, that stuck out to me, and among with um. Hitchcock trying to think he's smarter than everyone, and because he doesn't take the case. Of the missing, you know, the missing person case. Right. Um, Scary Terry is introduced. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, Uh, the whole thing about Terry building the, the um, dollhouse. Yeah, I could relate to that. That where he's just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um what let's see 
fairy princess castle uh oh he says the fairy princess castle has defeated me <laughs> why does it have wheels <laughs> yeah why why the wheels um but yeah i that that whole that whole thing is great um and I, then of course Boyle's able to to save the day with it um and i've been there jared i've like um my my oldest well like he has one of those like little tykes cars mm-hmm. there's no like they don't come together like fully formed you have to build them and it's just the most ridiculous and there's no words for instructions it's worse than ikea I, I just put together a whole bunch of IKEA furniture. I actually really like putting together stuff like that. I, I I try to do it without the directions and give you know as a test. Well, aren't you special? <laughs> <laughs> like literally every time I've tried to put anything together, IKEA or or, or kid toy related, it's like the episode of Thirty Rock or they go into Ikea to test the relationship. <laughs> Shit gets said that doesn't get taken, that can't be taken back, Jared. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Gina's thing about cops are the worst. Um, oh, yeah. Did you catch Pete Davidson? I did, yeah. Um, like, and he has, like, one line, and it, like... And was I think this is was this before he was on SNL? It may well I, we could find that out pretty quickly. It was 2013. Um, yeah. I can check it out real quick while you talk. But that's um, but it, like it, it again it establishes Gina as like this like like who she is. Like she's definitely smarter than. <laughs> She's kind of a savant, right? She she she's knows more than people give her credit for than assume. And I when she when she sells the program to the kids, um, and they ask her either they say you you went through this program, and she's and she's yeah. like, "Yep, it does not work." Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, yeah. This was a year like if this was in 2013. This was a year before he he got an SNL because he was SNL in 2014. Ah, well, there you go. It was so, just just before like, that. By the way, do what? What? I've had this discussion with a few people. Do you like Pete Davidson? I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen enough stuff with him. Um, I haven't seen any film that he's been in. I haven't watched. Uh, any, I haven't really watched SNL in forever. So, I, I mean, I've seen uh, bits here and there. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I have not watched the cast that he's in. Yeah, I... Uh, he seems to be like you either love him or hate him. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in between. I don't love everything he does. But I love him. Like, I love him as a person, for one. I want to see his new Judd Apatow movie. I would definitely spend 20 bucks to rent it. Yeah. Um, Because I guess it's going to go straight to straight to VOD. Huh? Um, Because, you know, COVID. Yeah. Um, 
I, he's he's one of those guys that has like he's he's got an honest edge to him. He's got the he's got the droll delivery of a Norm Macdonald, mm. like doing Weekend Update, but the the honest edge that I just appreciate. Like I don't know, it's just he deadpans pretty well, and he's just. Like he's been through some shit. Like his dad died in nine eleven. Oh really? I had no I did not know that. Um and he suffers from like this rare form of this rare mental disorder. He gets he elaborated on pre he he definitely elaborated on what it was on Marin when he got interviewed. Um but he's did just I missed like, that one? I don't remember that one. At least three years ago. Hmm. Like he's just pre he's been through some stuff, but he's definitely got like this long island type attitude about him hmm. that I think can drive people crazy. Like he's sort of like I don't know Fran Drescher where Gotcha. You don't like him at first, but becomes just like totally endearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, kind of to wrap things up here, as as it um, as the, the the episode wraps up, he, obviously Jake gets his mojo back. He figures out that the that the couple from the beginning is actually. Um, <laughs> you know, has a scam going where they report their grandmother missing every so often. And it's, she's never missing. She doesn't exist. Um, so he and, catches them for fraud. Right. But do you remember how Boyle figures out that they're not grandparents? He frisks. It, he fr- that's a- right. He frisks the grandma. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he puts he puts his hand in her back pocket. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's pure pure boil. Uh, as is as is his trying to is his nicknaming uh, Jake the Jake Hammer. Yeah, uh, and um, and his idea for a clubhouse, always wanting to do the clubhouse. Yeah, this is definitely establishes boil as the endearing. I don't mean to sound creepy, but <laughs> exactly, yeah, no. yeah. This is uh, they, 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 it's, it's, you know, third episode, and and it's, it's evolving the characters, and Boyle is definitely coming, coming to the front here. And there isn't, um, I think this is the first time they've laid, and definitely the first time they've laid off the Rosa Boyle. Oh yeah, plot. yeah, good. Uh, and well, and it's also a super Gina moment too because we we glossed over her dance, like her whole interpretive dance thing, like at to to uh, Christina Aguilera's beautiful. <laughs> her super like like um what does the what does the girl say like um uh, so like do you want like do this creepy dance and they're like oh, no like. Yeah. Do you want to be able to run a red light and carry a gun or something? Yeah. Yeah. She goes off with, yeah. Lights and make 54,000 a year. Yeah. 
um, but I think um, I think that what that does, as it kind of establishes early like layer in the series, and not spoiling anything here, is that cops generally aren't in at least having worked to someone like and into an office next to someone who busted bad cop behavior on a regular basis um, at new times is that um, there are good cops out there. Um, and I think that's kind of the, like, like Gina is there is that like tries to touch it. These are the good cops. Yeah. Um, the ones who like go work every day, do the work um, that don't, do it for headlines. <laughs> right. Um, I think it's a theme of the show is like kind of like a theme of the show is that like, these are the cops that like just do the job and do it well. Um, and there can be hijinks along the way. Right. Um, so they're not all going to be like um, deputy commissioner. So-and-so who gets his, son off for you know so he can go be a lacrosse player at Duke (laughs) (laughs) right Um, like these are the guys who just give a shit yeah Um, and you see like in later episodes they do touch upon this theme like we are talking about people who just get paid a shit salary to put their lives on the line every day right Um, that aren't not all cops are bad and that's Gina is like living, like expresses that in her little interpretive dance and her <laughs> mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, which, okay. <laughs> all right. But you got anything else you want to talk about with this episode? Um, no, I think I've covered all the pop culture references. Um, I didn't have any objections to this episode. Um, I think it's already an improvement over the first two. I think it just continues to oh, yeah. to get better and better. Um, I think you're definitely seeing more of like more of the Terry, like the real Terry, more of the real uh, Gina, and more of the real definitely Boyle. More. Yeah, I would like um, Rosa still talks in her normal actress voice, not yeah. her, not her Rosa. Rosa. Yeah, not a Rosa Diaz voice. Dropping uh, my motorcycle. <laughs> I'm a pass. <laughs> yeah, I would. It would be interesting to hear how she kind of developed that character because it definitely is not. She's not in it right away. Yeah, I mean, w- when we have her on the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. After we get the good place actors on, and we start getting the. The Brooklyn Nine Nine actors on. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure we'll get Joel Truglio on before we get Ted Danson. On. <laughs> I, 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 I'm. I'm saying that's going to be ninety nine point eight percent sure of that of that happening. I, did you? Speaking of now that you have time to listen to podcasts, did you listen to the Ted Danson on on Conan? No, but Kristen has. Um, it is so good. When she isn't lobbying on your behalf to get me to watch Gilmore Girls or The West Wing, 
she is frequently trying to get me to listen to Conan O'Brien needs a friend. That's such a good podcast. It's it's honestly it's uh, other than it, it's you know Marin and then Conan as far as the podcasts well, go. Well, I, again, like I'm 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 currently listening up on Reply All, which I'll send you an episode when we're done that you need to listen. Um, that I think you'll get a kick out of. It's okay. a recent one too, one that made some pretty good, some pretty big headlines. But lately, then they lately the podcast is like on uh, swing lately, and um, it's just thing. Um, so, but um, but I I have listened to episodes of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and I do in like the show. I listened to the one he did with Marin mm. um, before, and I, I'll get to it. But I'm also listening to like audiobooks from the library, gotcha. stuff like that. Just it's kind of and just really just catching up on like music I haven't listened to. Just trying to get out of my comfort zone again. Um, like I like, I loved listening to local music, but I never listened to much else beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the new strokes album. I'm on what, like I listened to the new Fiona Apple. Yeah. That one's really good. I like that. Yeah. A lot. That strokes album is pretty good too. I know people think it's, uh, but as pretty much got everything away. I like them like about them in the first place in it. So I don't know. I'm cool with it. Cool. So. All right. Well, let's go ahead and call it then. Do do we need to come up with a new ending or do or can we still get away with keep it sleazy? I think we can still get away with keep it sleazy because we're still working. Or take it sleazy. Con- take it sleazy. I we, yeah, I know. I think we can still say take it sleazy. Because eventually the good place will return. It will. All right. So, on that note, take it sleazy, chili babies. Take it sleazy. This has been a Hoon Waddle production. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out one of our other fine podcasts available from hootandwaddle.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any number of podcast apps. If you'd like to support Hoot and Waddle and get access to an exclusive member-only podcast, receive discounts on merch, and more, go to patreon.com forward slash Hoot and Waddle.